Thank you, Grandma. You're welcome. The boys say hi, Grandma. Anybody I know? No. Okay, well, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Must be at the nexus of the universe. Welcome to episode 10 of Nexus of the Universe podcast. My name is Chase Johnston. Uh, you can follow me at C Johnston WHL. Alongside me from Prince Rupert is Cole Stefuk. You can follow him at Cole Stefuk on Twitter. And in Point Roberts, Washington, Zachary Connard. You can follow him at Zachary Connard. And I believe um, somebody, Dexter, has taken a time machine and is using a cell phone from the past i mean from the past i guess dexter how you doing i'm good i still also have a twitter even though it's the past oh do you yeah it's at dextacular at dextacular okay awesome i didn't know you could use twitter in the 90s but that's super cool um you're the only thing that's trending right now uh cole um big week in prince rupert anything happen uh no no i didn't do anything i stayed at home played destiny all week long watch sports that's it that's a pretty good weekend. Uh, Zach, how about you? What did I do this weekend? I um, watched a lot of football. I uh, On Saturday, I worked. Actually, yeah, Saturday I started my new job, and I uh, wrote for the UBC um, soccer teams. So now That's I'm a very sports cool. writer again. Yeah. That's, That's cool. very special. Now, are you doing football as well? Uh, sometimes. They have a guy that... Um, is doing it pretty good week in sports uh college football saturday and of course nfl sunday we'll we'll do a, a quick lead story in the nfl um no big shocker um you know shocking games like there was last week in week one with that you know kansas city just embarrassing new england uh but this weekend we had a couple really close calls the seahawks barely beat the 49ers who everyone expects to be with there at the jets for one of the worst records in the league but uh the denver broncos at home uh they they beat the chargers you know it was a it was a close game but i think we were all predicting that you know the broncos are going to be on a decline uh trevor simeon is not an elite quarterback but man they made the dallas cowboys look terrible and they made ezekiel elliott look like a backup running back on most nfl teams uh, they made easy work of them. Their defense was as advertised, and then their offense. I mean, Simeon, I believe, threw three touchdown passes. He looked great. Are, are the Broncos for real? Because I don't think any of us had them winning that division this year. No, no, it's it's week two. Like lightning strikes can strike twice, right? I don't think that they're they're gonna do anything special. They still have Trevor Simeon as their starting quarterback, so that's all you need to know about the Broncos. Zach, what do you think? Uh, yeah. I don't think the Broncos are for real. Uh, I'm going to go with saying that they're not the Super Bowl caliber team, especially with Trevor Simeon as a starting quarterback. I think he's playing well now, but once teams figure it out, uh, his progress is going to go downhill. I I think their defense is definitely probably number one right now, and I'm sure it can stay at number one throughout the season. Their defense has been good for the past couple of years, and even using losing TJ Ward to, hasn't really hampered them. Like like you said, they did shut down the Dallas Cowboys, especially with a great offensive line. Von Miller was putting so much pressure on Dak Prescott that entire game, and they were getting through to uh, Zeke. But I don't think the offense can keep up. Um, CJ Anderson is going to have to continue to play like he's playing in order to give Trevor Simeon um, a chance and you know, 
allowing this team to make it far in the playoffs. But I still see them going to the playoffs. CJ Anderson is the number two ranked running back, uh, along with uh, Akeem or not Akeem Kareem Hunt and uh, Dalvin Cook right now for uh, all-purpose yards, and so they have been really impressive. The Broncos offensively, a lot of a lot of us were not expecting them. Uh, Dexter, um, so to paint you a picture, the Denver Broncos in 2017 are a pretty uh, good defensive uh, ball club. Uh, where where you are right now, uh, it. it John Elway is no longer the quarterback. Uh, it is Trevor Simeon. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if you were able to watch the game uh, week two, 2017. Uh, did yeah. you uh, see anything awesome out of the Broncos? Yeah, I got one of those interdimensional cable boxes from Rick. So I'm pretty good to go. Oh. Uh, yeah, I saw, I watched the Broncos. You know what? The Broncos, their defense, the defense is, like you said, as advertised. That's a dangerous defense. They can make any team look average on an average night. Now, their offense, I don't know. They've got C.J. Anderson. They've got Jamal Charles. I don't want to call out any injuries. Barring any injuries, they've got two powerful running backs. C.J. Anderson, when he's healthy, he puts up similar number, numbers to Le'Veon Bell when he's healthy. Same yards after or yards per carry, similar amount of touches. He's a very good running back who hasn't had a fully healthy season just yet. But I still think the best teams in the NFL right now are wearing red, okay? So if you're not going with the Atlanta Falcons or the Kansas City Chiefs through two games, you're not right. You're incorrect. Some great analysis there, Dexter. Um, The other game that was uh, a big shocker, especially for those of us that are Seahawks fans, was that 49er Seahawks game. I believe it actually had like a a close to 20 points spread uh, before kickoff. Seahawks were actually trailing six to nine or not sorry, nine to six um, late in the game. And thankfully, Wilson was able to get around that horrible offensive line of his just to throw a single touchdown pass to Paul Richardson. Um, I've been a guy who's been following this team for about the past 15 years. And especially over the past five, it seems like every single bloody year, the team could be healthy, but they're just playing like crap. Um, should Seahawks fans be worried, Cole? What was my answer for the Broncos? I said something like, no, it's week two of the season. Things happen. I want to repeat that exact answer for okay. the Seahawks. They're fine. It's two weeks. We all picked them to win a Super Bowl for a reason, right? You can't you can't make a proper assumption after two weeks. Exactly. You know, there was, there was two points in that game where they could have gone up by a couple touchdowns, and they just had dropped balls. I mean, that's not normal for the Seahawks. And I think they just had an off day on Sunday and they'll bounce back. Like they always do later on in the season. If any, if this part beginning of the season goes bad, then they'll bounce back. But I don't think we have to worry too much about the Seahawks. They have championship championship winning blood in each of those players. And um, I think they can, I think they can still win the Super Bowl. I'd like to see changes in the coaching staff, specifically Tom Cable, even before firing Daryl. Daryl, I was going to say Darren Bevel. Daryl Bevel. I can't say his name out loud today. Daryl Bevel, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, they got to let either one of those guys go, and I think Tom Cable first. The Seahawks have spent, I don't know, like something like the majority of their draft picks the past four or five years on linemen and somehow cable hasn't been able to coach them up to uh protect russell wilson 
Um, so I think it's on him. And once the Seahawks get good offense alignment, then Daryl Bevel will definitely be able to. I think he's holding back on his playbook a little bit just because he knows Russell Wilson has to scramble. Um, so we'll see. Um, I think the rest of the this season will go well. Maybe not as well as I would have hoped, but um, for sure they're still a Super Bowl contending team. Yeah, I think with uh, it seems like the offense is always the first one that just kind of loses their identity. Last year it was actually the opposite. The defense wasn't really getting going. The Seahawks were allowing a lot of points in the defense. Now the offense isn't quite getting going. Um, maybe with this whole running game fiasco, it seems like they had a, a triple threat running back uh, trio with uh, Procise, Lacey, and Rawls. I mean, Lacey was a healthy scratch last week. In comes this guy, Chris Carson. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep our eyes peeled on Chris Carson next week. They're in Tennessee. Um, it's a much easier defense to play against compared to the Packers and the 49ers. So I think the Seahawks will show their true colors on offense going into next week. Um, my fantasy starts and sits of the week. Um, last week, I had my fantasy sit uh, Kenny Galladay. Uh, he was a very popular waiver wire pickup after week one. He uh, had a fantastic week one game. Week two, he went against the great Giants defense. Now, keep in mind, Matt Stafford did put up um, two touchdown passes against the Giants D, which is more than I expected. Kenny Galladay, though? One catch for eight yards. So for those of you that listened to me and kept Kenny Galladay on the bench, great job. Uh, my fantasy start of the week, Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense had two picks. One of them was a pick six and two fumble recoveries. Um, they only earned 19 points out of it because they allowed a garbage time touchdown from Mike Glennon very late in the game. So they're sitting at 26, 27 points. Uh, before that. So a great start for you that started the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Um, you know, I want to say my uh, start of the week, and I'm going to say it right now, and I'm not saying this because he's uh, on two of my three starting lineups, Zach. I'm going to go <laughs> finally with uh, the Carolina Panthers, Christian McCaffrey as the start of the week. Why? He is a wild card player. What types of players do well against the New Orleans Saints? The wild card player, the running back receiver uh, combo, the Danny Woodheads of the world and the Christian McCaffrey's of the world. Uh, he is my start of the week. Look for him to get more than 10 points guaranteed. He could, if, as long as he gets in the end zone, get over 20 points. But I'm looking at over 100 all-purpose yards out of Christian McCaffrey. Um, Such a safe pick. Well, he's, a, he's an easy start in on most teams. He's he, an RB2. Is, he is uh, only earned four and five points though in the last in two weeks. So you're saying people shouldn't be dropping him or trading well, him? Uh, there's a lot of people that are giving up on him already. So they I, I yeah, they're stupid. Yeah, those people are pretty silly. But my fantasy sit of the week will have to be the Houston Texans defense. They're going into Gillette Stadium against New England. Deshaun, um, or pardon me, Tom Brady is going to put up a ton of points against that Houston D. Uh, they've they've been a popular pick in the draft. They were actually one of the first defenses taken in one of my fantasy drafts. Uh, but you know, 
playing against Cincinnati's one thing, uh, you know, playing against Jacksonville is another Jacksonville put up a ton of points against them in week one. I expect Tom Brady, even without guys like Amendola, without guys like Edelman, um, and even without guys like Gronk, he's still going to put up a lot of points against them. Make sure you sit Houston, pick up a different defense and slot him in. Uh, moving on to the next topic. Uh, and we'll turn on Dexter for this one. Uh, Jamel Hill. Now Jamel Hill made, what could be translated as slanderous comments uh, towards Donald Trump. It seems like a lot of um, left-wing celebrities will, you know, they won't really censor themselves when it comes to saying how they feel about Donald Trump, but straight up calling uh, Donald Trump, what is it, a bigot and a racist call? Well, yeah, and I know I'm left-wing, but he is, right? And you can't say that it's just left-wing celebrities to do that right-wing celebrities are very vocal about how they feel about certain people let's not give them a pass you know so so espn went out and said that they're going to fire jamel uh jamel hill um after after she said that on one of the shows dexter go ahead straight up replace her they haven't fired her they said they're going to replace her on the show and then after that ESPN is struggling to find replacements because the replacements said we don't want to fill in for her. Okay, here's because we support we support what Jamel had to say. Here's what ESPN is one of the worst companies in the world. Like they and they are the worst sports like I don't know entity that I can think of. The either if they said anything about this topic, they've pissed off half of their fan base, right? Because you can say that. I mean, I've been, I mean, there's a good percentage of their fan base that are right-wingers that do believe everything that Trump does and believe that it's correct. And then, of course, there are tons of left-wing people like Jamel Hill, who obviously huge sports fans, who feel that way about Trump. What Jamel Hill said, I don't really have a problem with. Because in the, in the country, or in, in, well, the country they live in, I mean, they have the freedom of speech. ESPN, ESPN made the mistake here. Because ESPN went on the defense of Donald Trump. And they should have just kept their mouths shut. ESPN shouldn't have said a word. They should have let everything fly. They should have let Jamel deal with what she said. They should have actually even like maybe had an episode where they had Jamel address it and not apologize, but address the situation, answer questions from people. Uh, Instead, they went totally sideways. Basically, what they said to me as uh, someone who's like looking from the outside in, as I guess kind of a left-wing mindset, they sided with uh, Trump. And in a way, given what Jamel said, you could make the argument, and a lot of liberals will, that they sided with white supremacists, bigots, all that. I know that's a stretch, but it's it's there. Like, ESPN screwed up. What I don't get, they said that they didn't agree with her remarks. They said that it was slanderous, and they didn't take her side of view or whatever, right? They said it was racist. But then on, on record, on Twitter, Donald Trump has called Obama racist before. So, I mean, I don't understand how ESPN can side with one person calling someone racist, but not with someone else calling someone racist. That's where it gets all fucked up to me. Especially someone like Trump, who has said the, like some really not okay things while he's been in office. Yeah, this is a president? Even, yeah, like not even before. Yeah, he, he said that, like, he said that, both white supremacists and like the other guys were at fault for Charlottesville. Like he put blame on people getting killed for not being white. Like you understand that, right? 
like Jamel Hill, I don't think she was out of line saying that. I think ESPN was way out of line, you know, as a company doing what they did. They tried to get two people to replace her, two black people to replace her. And her coworkers and everyone who they tried to replace her said that they were not going to do that. And then ESPN comes out and says they weren't trying to replace her. So it's like they're trying to hide up their own ineptitude. And that's just, you know what? They're owned by Disney. All right. So it's a fucking corporation. What more do you expect? Yeah. And think about this. The way that they're handling this whole situation, to me, and this is like really, this is, this is a hot take, but it's not even that hot because it's true. The way that they're treating this entire situation, the way they're trying to replace Jamel Hill, to me, makes it seem like they only hire black people and black females to like meet some quota. The way that they're doing this, the way that they're acting, it's pathetic. It's disgraceful. ESPN should be like boycotted. That's my opinion. Yeah, I agree, Cole. I don't think that, uh, you know, um, I think they've put themselves in a big corner here. I mean, this is already going back to that situation where they – the guy had the same name as a historical figure, and so they they didn't let him call up football game. And then, I mean, we an all Asian love him, guy. and I'm glad it happened. But the whole Sergio Dip fiasco, like just ESPN's management has just been terrible over the past couple of weeks. Uh, they're handling oh. this poorly. Uh, I, I'm a, actually I'm a Jamel Hill fan. I like Jamel Hill. Um, She's great at what she does. I mean, and so I hope she I hope she gets back on her show. I don't think she'll work for you. Oh no, she's back. She's back. She kept really? She's back. Why did she watch okay. her the other day or yesterday or today? I can't remember. That would, that, be, that would be tough to work there for as her. I wouldn't be able to do it. In 2014, ESPN suspended Stephen A. Smith. Suspended him for basically telling women that if they provoke men to beat them, they shouldn't do that. And they only suspended him. How is I, I I that that is something that I don't understand how they would go off and try to fire Jamel when they only suspended Stephen A. Smith for saying live on his TV show first take that women shouldn't provoke men. Yeah, to I don't. Beat them. I think I think because um, I think when that when Stephen A. Smith said that it offended a lot of women, obviously, and probably a lot of like I mean a few men anyway, but like. Jamel Hill pulled racial like problems into this topic. Now, when you're going, when you're when your audience is like eighty five percent, I mean that might be high, it might be low. I don't know. I feel like a majority of their audience is male. Nothing was nothing was really at stake. But this one, they they saw like this was a big divide. This is this is actually huge. What Jamel Hill said. I mean, this is a like a black woman going against a white male, the president. And they felt they sided with the white male because that's their majority audience and they picked the side. But with that one, it's easy to pick, to not do too much with Stephen A. Smith, I think, because their audience wouldn't be that hit by it. I don't know. That's well said, Cole. Um, It'll be interesting to see what mistake ESPN makes next. Uh, Moving on to the next topic. Uh, Earlier today, in the Yankees twins game is actually a huge series between the Yankees and twins. A uh, probably more than likely uh, is going to be the wild card preview in the, the American league. Uh, I believe it was Todd Fraser was at bat for the Yankees. He hits a foul ball and strikes a young girl. Now um, they actually stop play. The players are super concerned that on the Twitter post. It looked like Matt holiday was actually in tears uh, when it was happening. And uh, we just got an update. Apparently the little girl is going to be okay. 
but this is just raising the question once again, and it still astonishes it still astonishes me to this day, um, having to be able to sit at the third baseline. Why is there no netting or post there? I've I've been to one baseball game. If you're watching the game, I, I mean, like if the ball comes, it came at me. I I'm not a little girl. No offense to little girls. I just I. I'd be watching the game, so it would be a little different for me. I would, you know, react, but that's here and there. In the NHL, uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, there was a little girl who was struck by a puck, and she died. And then they put a... And, yeah, it really does raise the question why they don't have nets at every baseball arena. Yeah, and this was an issue, too, and the Yankees themselves had this debate whether or not to put netting down the foul lines. Um, obviously this is going to change how they felt, but they said no. Two things about this, okay? One, like, it should not take the death, I mean, she's not dead, but let's just say worst case, it should not take the death of a young person, a very young person, to get your head around this. When the NHL did it back in 2002, after that young girl was uh, hit by the puck and she died two days later, that should have been implemented in all sports where this was a possibility. If you watch the play, that, that ball came off Fraser's bat so quick. Even you, Dexter, I don't even know if you could react that fast. It came so fast. It hit so close to home plate. Like, it would be so hard to actually stop that. And, like, same with a puck. You think that you can stop that, but when a little piece of, like, a brick of vulcanized rubber is flying at you at that speed behind the net after a slap shot, like, there's no way. So, I think that the netting should be mandatory in all fields. You're not going to notice it. After the nets were put up, people were raising hell because they were like, we're not going to be able to see the play. How many NHL games have you guys been to since they put those nets up in 2002? Yeah, exactly. And, and even at like baseball games, I've sat behind home plate. You don't, you don't notice the net at all. And those seats are fucking expensive. They're so expensive, and people still buy them to sit behind the net. Because you don't notice I it. Mean, yeah, there's, you, you're focused on the play. And the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't notice it at all. I was looking at photos of the Yankee Stadium. I don't know. I well, I can't say because I've only been to one, I think one baseball stadium my entire life, and that's Safeco. And I think it's pretty similar to uh, the new Yankee Stadium. But that that net only covers like three sections, just behind home plate. Yeah, mm-hmm. like everyone else is wide open. It's crazy. Well, I remember. I'm I look at it this way. I remember sitting at um, one of the games I went to at Safeco at the third baseline only I was only there for like two innings but I remember literally feeling like it's a completely different experience when you're just there and you're like on the field um compared to you know being where we usually sit way out in the outfield like you feel like you're actually you know you're part of the game um so I I to me it doesn't make a difference but at the same time like if you're not paying attention for one minute if you're on your phone, you know, looking on your Facebook on your phone and a foul ball can kill you, like it can legitimately kill you. And Cole, like you were telling us earlier, like um, Brittany, the girl from Columbus, she it was a couple days after when she died. So, yeah, Brittany Cecil was the girl uh, in 2002 who went to the, the Blue Jackets game against the Calgary Flames. It hit her in the in the temple. And at the time she she got up, she walked to uh, first aid. She went to the hospital Everything seemed fine, but somehow they missed that, like, she was actually bleeding. Um, Her head was bleeding inside, and she died from severe blood clotting. So 
I mean, it doesn't happen right away, but th this kind of stuff will carry. And this poor kid, I don't know how old this young lady was. Uh, they say, like, you know, not a baby, but not, like, probably under six years old is what I've seen online. It's not been confirmed yet. Um, this might cause serious issue, even if she survives for the rest of her life. And it's sad Absolutely. that it takes this type of, I, I want to call, I'm going to call it a tragedy for anyone to even consider. And what's sickening, really quickly, what's sickening is that people on, on, on Twitter, on, on like different forums online, they're blaming the girl and like her parents for not being, you can't defend against that ball. That ball came so fast. Like you see a pitcher get hit by a, a line drive in the head. It's like that, except this is like a five-year-old girl. Even if it yeah. hits your hand, you put your hands up to block the seat, it's going to break your wrist. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, a little girl's not going to be able to stop that ball, so, even with her hands. It's sad. I it's hope... just... Go ahead. Yeah, I feel bad for... I feel bad for the players, like, Frazier especially, because they those fans go there to and pay to watch these guys play. And these guys are playing the sport they love, and they could one day just end up killing someone because there's no net there. Yeah. It's true. I mean, you saw, I mean, Holiday was crying on the bases. Like, he was actually crying, yelling, there should be netting. I'm not kidding. Like, you can see the video. Mm -hmm. um, and I was reading up on the Brittany Cecil death from the NHL and, like, Derek Morris and Espen Knutson, the two guys who were involved, like the guy who took the shot and the guy who deflected it. I mean, they think about it every day of their lives. You know? That's, that's haunting them forever. And no matter what happens to this poor girl, it's going to haunt Todd Fraser. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, uh, I, I think the, that Zach, you're right. I mean, if you were behind there and you, it really just didn't even, you did, you didn't even notice in it. And I think nowadays when I'm in NHL ranks, like I look at it and I'm like, Oh, I miss the glory days of the net. But at the same time, like I don't, or I miss the glory days of no net when you're sitting in the, the upper bowl corner. But at the same time, it doesn't change a single thing really. You know. Like it, when you're watching the game, it doesn't affect your vision at all. Yeah, and if you're a true uh, fan and you're into the game, nothing should distract you from it anyways. So. But exactly. the thing about exactly. baseball is is that baseball is not the same as every other sport, right? Baseball, when you go to watch a baseball game, yeah, there are people who go to watch. Like, I know I go to watch the game. I love sports. Uh, I'm a big, you know, I go down to Safeco, whether I'm cheering for the, the Blue Jays or the Mariners. Like, I'm there to watch a game of baseball. Some people, it's like a social thing. You know, it's very cheap to go to a game. Uh, it can cost as little as like 20 bucks, probably less. I don't know. To go sit in the upper, you know, upper deck, have some beers, have some burgers or some dogs, like chat. It's a social thing. You're not paying attention to the game all the time. That's what makes baseball so much different. So, yes, they should be protective measures to, to protect fans from errant balls like this. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to our next topic here. Wait, before we do, uh, before we do. Oh, like, sorry. Really quickly, though, like, obviously, most important in all this is I hope that little girl's okay. Uh, obviously, all four yeah. of us want to make sure that she's, uh, like, okay, send our thoughts and prayers and all of that. Yeah, the last thing we want to is right off this podcast find out something bad happened. Exactly, so. yeah. Um, uh, moving on to the next topic here. Uh, there was a pretty big um, boxing match, a uh, pretty big fight, actually. Um, no, it was not McGregor Mayweather 2. Um I didn't get to watch it. It was on Saturday night. Cole, you and uh, Dexter probably know more about it than I do. Well, okay, so I watched the fight uh, as it was happening. I thought this fight was, I think, and I still think this was the the most important fight for boxing's future. 
more important than Mayweather McGregor because Mayweather McGregor did what it had to do. It brought in fans who don't watch boxing. It brought those fans in, and then they were like, hey, this this sport's actually not bad. There was a lot of good fights on that card. You know, whatever. I want to watch the next one. What's the next big fight? Well, it just happened to be maybe the biggest fight in recent history since, like, for just like for the like, what happened, like the implications of the fight, bigger than any fight since maybe Mayweather Pacquiao, right? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, if they 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 had all this, they had this giant platform after all that happened with McGregor Mayweather. They had two of the best fighters in the world. The two best fighters. The two, I, I I I would agree with that. And their promotion wasn't very good, which which already hurt it to begin with. The fight was actually really good. It was probably the best fight I've seen in a long time, especially like a big bill like that. But the scorecard and the final judge like ruined it, and I think it hurt boxing more than anything else. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think uh, Golovkin. I think he definitely got robbed a little bit. That fight was his. If you ask me, if I had to score that fight, you know, Golovkin won. It was it was a brawl though. There was def- it was a good fight to watch. Uh, the fight was huge. I just think the decision was a bit ha- more harmful to the sport than anything else. Yeah, and just to kind of, I guess we didn't really get into the fight. It was Gennady Golovkin. I think I said that right. G- Gennady Golovkin. Gennady Golovkin. Yeah. Uh, taking on Canelo Alvarez, uh, two of the best middleweights in the world. They are the two best. The record combined, they combined for like sixty something wins, one loss, and that was Canelo. He lost to Mayweather. So can you really blame him for that? Um, and they took off for the like the the to be the prime fighter in like the world, and it was a really good fight. I think Triple G should have won. Gennady Golovkin should have won the fight, but one judge, her name was Adelaide Bird, she judged the fight one eighteen to uh, one ten for Canelo. If anyone watched that fight who knows anything about boxing, they would not have scored it like that. Here's what's really upsetting. The fight ended in a draw. So, of course, now they're going to have a second super fight to actually see who wins. And I don't think, and Dexter, you can disagree if you if you feel differently. I don't think that the draw was the big deal here. I think that calling that fight a draw is, is acceptable, right? Calling it a draw is acceptable? Yeah, like, did you not think that, that the fight could have gone... Could have gone the way that it did, with one judge scoring a draw, one scoring Triple G, and one scoring Canelo. I mean, Canelo put up put up a, a fight in a lot of the rounds that he lost, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. So when I saw that it was a draw, I was like, okay, like that's not the end of the world. You know, that's good for boxing because they'll have another Canelo Triple G fight. But then the scores came from the judges. One judge scored it even, and then Bird scored it one eighteen to one ten. That means that they said that that. Um, one i believe that's 10 rounds out of 12 yeah which is trash if it was 114 113 or something like if it was a really close score 115 113 then it would have been reasonable fans would have been like yeah sure whatever but 118 to 110 it's corruption and it's gonna ruin the sport of boxing (laughs) i I was just about to ask do you guys think that uh i mean there's been lots of cases where people have called uh boxing corrupt and the judges scoring different matches when when the uh, one fighter has outperformed the other to a way better degree. Um, so I, I, did, did they did they purposely judge this so that there would be um, a rematch to make more money off them because it was such a good fight? 
Yeah. I, I really wouldn't put it past him. I mean, or, I mean, or it's pretty, it's the same the, conversation we had earlier about uh, Mayweather and um, uh, McGregor. McGregor being all, uh, you know, a big. Um, what am I trying to say? Well, I'm, I'm forgetting. I'm drawing a blank on. Um, I predicted so when, when we were talking about this, like back in like episode two or three, we were talking about the fight initially. And I was saying that, you know, I thought that the fight was rigged before it started. And with with boxing in particular, there's so much money going around in boxing that it's easy to rig it when there's only two people involved. See, you were talking it's about the like, Mayweather-McGregor fight, though, right? Yeah, I was talking about that fight. But I, what, what, uh, the reason why a lot of people are upset about the decision on this one um, and the scorecard on this one is mainly because... I think people are questioning, you know, that there could be some sort of weird collusion or corruption going on in this fight. Yeah, that's the problem with boxing because, like, boxing, as we we all know this, boxing as a sport itself on the mainstream has fallen off considerably yeah, from the days of like dying. Tyson and like even before that with Ali. Like when it was when Ali Fraser Foreman when they were fighting, boxing was like the biggest sport. When a boxing match was on, that was the thing. Like you watched it no matter what. Like, every fight back then was Mayweather-McGregor, was Mayweather-Pacquiao. You know what I mean? Maybe not quite to that extent, but it was huge. <laughs> Recently, it's been dying and dying and dying. And when Pacquiao took on Mayweather, people were like, okay, this fight can bring it back. And it was horrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> so then, Maybe the biggest letdown in my entire life. Exactly. And I've had some big letdowns. There you go. Exactly. So, I mean, and then this fight came up, Mayweather-McGregor. And you know what? For all intents and purposes, I think that that fight was really good for the sport. It brought a lot of people back who may have left. It brought a lot of new people back who may have never watched it, and they thought, hey, like that whole card was a pretty good card. It was an acceptable fight. This fight was supposed to cement that fan base. Then, you know, they had a great product in the ring. It was one of the best boxing matches in recent history. And then that scorecard comes up, and the, all the corruption stuff comes back. Everything, everything that made boxing so like terrible to watch it, it was and i made this analogy before we started the podcast it's like watching i'm gonna say hockey game your team scores five there's their team scores two and your team loses because someone just likes the other team better that is bullshit isn't that what yeah. happens in the nba right dexter <laughs> uh, it definitely used to i wouldn't be surprised if it still did there you go or uh whenever the packers play sure anyway <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our next topic, it's a little bit more lighthearted, uh, and that is um, social media. Um, social media wins and fails. Uh, our social media win has to be uh, if you're following hockey, which not a lot of people are over the past couple months, but definitely over the past month has been the Las Vegas Golden Knights Twitter account. Um, they have been having a lot of fun in preseason, mainly because they're undefeated in preseason. Uh, but in particular, um, other teams will kind of chime in and challenge them, uh, like the Montreal Canadiens the other day, like saying, calm down, it's preseason. Uh, and then the Vegas Golden Knights would chime back with, oh, it's uh, surprising that you guys didn't win in that many cups with only six teams in the league, uh, which sure. shut them up pretty quick. Uh, should more professional sports teams and businesses in particular have dedicated uh, social media managers? Hell yeah. You need them. It's as your own business and you're you handling the, all the social media at the same time. 
is very hard. And if you want to have a clever social media like these teams have, like the Golden Knights have, then you need someone on the outside doing it, I think. Dexter, yeah, what do you think? Totally. I, I agree. Like, I think it's definitely got to be handled by someone outside. I, I don't know if there's if there are any teams that don't ha- have someone outside handling it, then we probably don't follow them. They're probably really boring and just post updates. I know quite a few NBA teams have uh, dedicated social media managers. And there was a thing last year where they, I think the league came down and said no more trash talking each other. Like social media teams weren't allowed to trash talk each other. And that was just stupid. Yeah, that's so dumb. Started complimenting each other on social media, and it's not fun to watch. So it's cool what I really like. Oh, keep going, Dexter. Free reign to say whatever they want. What I really like is um, when someone takes over for the like the social media manager or the content person, and like a not not usually celebrities, but someone else in the in the um, uh, what do you call it in uh, the same city or whatnot that is well known. when they do that, the the team's personality changes kind of, and it it's nice to see a fun social media um, fun social media content being produced rather than the boring random updates that we see every day. So the Golden Knights are a nice change, and I hope their social media team keeps it up because then uh, I'll be a fan and I'll follow them. So here's I feel I'm gonna try and keep this short because I've been very long winded today. But the Vegas Golden Knights are the 2002 Oakland Athletics, okay? And the reason they are that is because before the Athletics teams looked at stats, of course they did. They looked at analytics and they implemented little things here and there, but they didn't perfect it. The A's did. The Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, okay, yeah, I don't want to take away from teams like the LA Kings. They had a great social media, whatever. The Vegas Golden Knights are taking it to a new level. They're proving what you need to do in 2017 to bring in new fans. Vegas might be the best in the best place of any expansion team in the history of sports just because of their social media. I'm not kidding. Yes. I'm I'm on board. Like I'm actually on I'm jumping on their bandwagon right now. Yeah. I I've, um, I've watched I'm two for them. I've already watched I've watched both of their preseason games already. And that's crazy. <laughs> okay, one of them was against the Canucks so Whatever, but I I watched the Knights and the friggin' Avalanche yesterday. I had nothing to do, and I was like, I can't wait to see what they post about this. And they posted a lot. It was great. Yeah, I'm a I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be jumping on that bandwagon. I'm gonna be cheering for them mainly because they're just a bunch of guys who've never played together that are just starting to play together now. Uh, I I think and I expect that they already have a good fan base just of season ticket holders in Vegas alone. Uh, and I would I'm. I'd be pumped to do just a short trip to um, Vegas to just catch a game. I think that'd be a really cool experience. And could you imagine playoff hockey in Vegas? It'd be crazy. Yo, isn't the first uh, the first Canucks game down there sold out already? Probably. It's really cheap to I fly there. So I think that's so. what I heard. Yeah. I mean, they're they're going to play more than once, but I thought I heard that the first one was already sold out. So um, yeah. Well, probably. Wouldn't be surprised. They got they got they got some good stuff down there right now. Moving on to our next topic, which is still in the topic of actually social media, uh, but this time on the failing side of things, Kevin Durant. Oh. And just when you think Kevin Durant's career can't get any worse, he bitched out to go to Golden State. <laughs> um, he he continued to make more mistakes, even though he's won, you know, the the couple championship or the one championship. <laughs> He's uh, picked up with Golden State. He 
posed as another person but accidentally did it on a different on his personal twitter account on his actual verified twitter account and made him look even dumber than he already is uh dexter no, he's smart or like him because i know dexter's gonna shit talk him um first of all that just shows how invested he is in social media you know he, he wants uh he wants his posts to look good so he has his fake accounts, which we all have. Chase Johnson. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say real quick. He did. I saw on Reddit, uh, on the NBA Reddit page, he did send some dude uh, three pairs of shoes of his new shoes. Um, just because the guy was like, he said something about uh, uh, he was broken that Kevin should send him shoes or something like that i can't remember exactly what he said but he ended up getting a dm from kevin durant asking for his address and size of shoe and he got the shoes so kevin durant is a good guy dexter waddy go ahead okay well let's go back here to 2009 that was when i first started following kevin durant on twitter and he was awesome he posted nothing about the nba he just posted about his day however shit was going he, he had a neighbor where he was living in Oklahoma City. He was a little kid. And, uh, like, he would always post about how, he's, you know, his neighbor, what his neighbor was up to. Sometimes he'd shoot hoops with his neighbor. His neighbor actually changed his Twitter account name to, uh, what what he changed it to? KD's Neighbor. It was just KD's Neighbor. And he'd also post candid things with Kevin Durant. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So it's very obvious he's been invested in social media. He's closer to our generation uh, in terms of his social media habits than, say, like someone like LeBron James. But, man, like, Zach, if I were to make fun of you and tell you you're a shit runner, would you really have to defend yourself to me? Like, we, we know you're faster than me. We know you're a great runner. Who do you have to defend I'd yourself say to? Something, Kevin, I'd say something sarcastic back. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily defend myself. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I get it. All Ever since he left, he's been hearing fuck you from people who are his fans. People burned his jersey. He, he didn't have anyone to turn to at one point. But, man... Three-time scoring champion, two-time USA gold gold medalist, uh, MVP, Finals MVP, champion. Why are you defending yourself online against random fucking people? Does, it, does their opinion really matter? It's probably some dude who can't even afford to go against. It's probably some dude who doesn't live in Oklahoma or Oakland. So, like, the fact that he he has a separate account just for defending himself shows a lot of his insecurities, and it's cool because you know he's a millionaire superstar athlete he's insecure just like every other human on earth but man you don't have to defend yourself against some fucking random dude that's that's lame shit and it's not just on twitter he does it on instagram too like that's that's not cool as if you didn't think he was a snake or a pussy before he is now like fuck kevin durant and he fuck kevin durant that's all i have to say (laughs) i like it dexter yeah there's a song actually by lil b called fuck kevin durant you want you can check it out i like um, him i like him because he screwed over oklahoma and i hate <laughs> oklahoma city he also that's what you get for taking look they took my team from my city yeah and so it was nice that golden state took their best uh player from them it just works out that's karma they took their second best player mm, i don't think <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm kidding Russell. <laughs> Although the Sonics did draft both of them, so they knew what they were doing when they did it. 
Oh, they also drafted James Harden and Serge Ibaka. And Kevin Durant yeah, said, he, exactly. a, he, said he couldn't win with those cats. That's what he said. And I'm just saying, in the playoffs, the year when they lost, they were up 3-1 to one against Golden State, okay? They had Dion Waiters balling out of his mind. Serge Ibaka playing uh, some of the best defense of, that he played at least all season. They had Steven Adams. You know what it was? It was Kevin Durant trying to be the hero in the fourth quarter for three straight games. Three straight games, he shot the gold. He shot the OKC Thunder out of the playoffs. So he deserved. He deserves all this black he's getting. Every little bit of it, he deserves it. I'm like a born and raised hockey player, and I think like hockey players. Hockey players are very humble. They won't do something like that. To me, it really says a lot about your personality and the way that he did it. It's not. It's not in a good light at all. The way that not only the fact that he replied to something that shouldn't affect him at all. All the comments said was like, "Why would you leave OKC? You don't have to dignify that with a response. And if you do, all you gotta you don't have to be a dick about it. Not only was he a dick to like the fans, he was such a dick to the OKC organization. Like like Dex said, that team that he took to the Western Conference Finals, that was a that was a championship team, I think. And he's a snake, and he this I think this ruins his legacy as as an NBA player. Like the fact that who knows what else he has said about the organization that he was in, about fans, about other players from this account. Nobody knows what account this is. That's yeah. the other thing too. Like this, this, any guy could be saying whatever he wants about this. It could be him saying his honest opinions. Like I've, I've lost so much respect for him. Yeah. The, Fuck Kevin. The only Durant. thing. Last. This is my last comment. The only thing that would make me hate him a lot less would be if other athletes started coming out the woodwork saying they're doing it and show where to show it was commonplace, but I just don't think that many other athletes no, do. No, he makes how many million dollars a year? I don't even know. And he spends his off time doing that? Dude, that is <laughs> pathetic. Do you know how many people, I, I, I mean, I know it's a lot less than Kevin Durant, but based on my circle of, of people that I, I see and, and talk to on the radio, how many people hate me and that I've, that I've touched in their lives that hate me? A lot. I don't really care like if you hate me spend your time hating me why would i spend my time or waste my time acknowledging that well i don't get it who cares no, I hear next topic. yeah let's move on because i'm, yeah, I'm, he- right. I'm move, heated move today on. boys i don't know why i'm heated heated yeah, uh, um well i don't know if this is going to make you heated but i just wanted to get creative here uh and a little lighthearted. one other topic i just want to get to guys uh, well, Cole and I were talking about major league gaming before we started the podcast and how much money, how much money, like Cole, do you have the rough number? I think Dota two is the highest paid MLG game out there. Yeah. I how did, much do they get paid? I, I don't know. On average, I actually don't know. I, I didn't write that down. I closed the window, but it was like, like the top paid uh, gamer in the world gets like, or has made like $3 million in his life playing video games. Jesus. So Shit. not bad. So, which raises the question, uh, boys, uh, if you were a major league gamer, which video game, new or old, would you compete in? Uh, for me, uh, it would have to be the very first Gears of War for the Xbox 360, yeah. which is um, a little tough it's because... No one plays anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's a game nobody plays anymore. But when a lot of people were playing it, I, I was quite dominant. <laughs> the reason... Why I was dominant was mainly because the Xbox 360 at the time was not a household gaming console. In fact, gaming consoles, period, were not household items. Not every single person now, I feel like, owns a gaming console. So it'd probably probably be a little different today if that game first came out. 
Um, but I was playing that game every single day, solid five hours a day. Uh, and I knew how to use almost every single weapon in that game. So I, I'm going to go with Gears of War 1. What do you got, Cole? Uh, well, I'll just keep her quick, but uh, I think I could take Chell any year, honestly, Chell. Um, I've been playing Chell religiously since I remember my first was NHL 99, Eric Lindros on the cover. I was kicking butt then. I'll kick ass now. Like, I'm good. I think anyone on NHL, like, at me, okay. Cole Stephew, take me I like on. that. I like that. Dexter, what do you got? Uh, well, I wanted to go with Clash Royale. But I'm not really that good at that game. So I'm going to take it way, way back. The game that I was absolutely the best at is probably Yoshi Story on N64. Oh my God. We're not, as, the you question isn't what Yoshi game Story? were you best at? <laughs> what game would you actually compete in? I guess oh, Yoshi Story would do a time in? trial. Well, I, I want to say NBA 2K, but I'm boycotting it this year. So I'm going with NBA Live. My basketball knowledge my stomach, is too high. My stomach just yelled at me. He hasn't played game. NBA Live ever, probably. <laughs> I'm going to be the best ever because I'm going to be one of fucking 15 people who buy that game. That's true. <laughs> Zach, what do you what do you got? Uh, the uh, the easy answer to this is FIFA because I've been playing it since 2006, I think. So many people 2005. play and devote their life to that game. And, uh, yeah, there's there is a lot of people, so it'd be very hard. I was at one point when I didn't have a job and I wasn't going to school. Um, I was ranked top fifty in the world for the Xbox 360 of FIFA 14. So I mean, at least I broke the top fifty. Um, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of people that play it now, and it's starting to become an esport. Although EA kind of has to figure out some. Um, problems with the game that make it so the game is more balanced yeah uh but yeah fifa is the easy answer otherwise i don't know i i think i might have if i wanted to become a pro at something maybe pokemon i already know how to play the game pretty well and i played every single version of it so maybe pokemon to give myself a challenge and stay away from the actual sports video games smart yeah it's hard not to pick a sports video game yeah i mean those are i don't know sports games are the games i play the most and i'm not very good at shooters not good enough to be um a pro but i could definitely train some pokemon all right zach well bringing you back to your childhood i think this is a good time to start seven on seven all right. Or seven, seven in seven. Is it seven on seven or seven in seven? I feel like everyone it's says seven it different. in seven. Seven in okay, seven. Okay, that's right. Okay. I thought it was uh, seven and seven. There is. What? <laughs> seven and seven? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, there is a. One of the fantasy shows on fan, Serious Fantasy Sports Network does have a seven at seven. But it's so it's weird, a weird uh, format they have there. And it's at seven o'clock. Which is when I was born, 707, and I weighed seven pounds and seven ounces. Born on July 21st, seventh month, and 21 is divisible by seven in 1991, which was the seventh year of the Chinese New Year or cycle or whatever. I don't know Chinese stuff very well, even though I'm dating a half one. Um, okay, are you guys ready? Ready. Chase? Count me down. Count me down. Wait, Chase, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready, man. Go. All right. Three, two, one, go. All right, number one. 
The LA Rams and LA Chargers had home games this past week, and neither team looked at fulfilled stadiums. In fact, both the Coliseum where the Rams play and the StubHub Center where the Chargers play looked very empty. Here are the rounded attendance numbers. 56,000 for the Rams, 25,000 for the Chargers. The USC Trojans also played in the Coliseum on Saturday, had close to 85,000. That's more than the NFL, two NFL teams combined. Is that a surprise? And will LA ever be a viable city for two of the same professional sports teams? They do. They just need a couple of years. Cole? No, it, they weren't before. They won't be again. Dex? I went to a CFL game once with 65,000 people. Yeah, CFL. There you go. That's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> LA should not have two teams. Get rid of one. San Diego should go back to San Diego. Agreed. There's the answer there that is. I was looking for. Okay, number two. <clears throat> there are nine teams in the NFL that do not have a win so far. There are four teams that look like they have the talent to be have at least one win in these past two weeks. Which of these four do you think can recover and still make the playoffs? The Colts, Bengals, Chargers, or Giants? Chase. Uh, the Giants, 100% the Giants. They have a great defense. Um, that offensive line just needs to get going. Once their offensive line gets going, they'll be back. Um, yeah, Giants. I think I want to say the Bengals, but I got to say the Giants as well. They have all the tools they need both on offense and defense to turn this season around. It's only week two. They're going to do it. Dex? My unanimous answer, I got to go with the Giants as well because the Saints weren't an option. (laughs) No, because they're 0-2. Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah, That was the question. (laughs) Next. (laughs) Okay. I think the Chargers, somehow, some way, they're going to get in. Okay. Uh, Which of these two... And O teams will miss the postseason. The Lions, Panthers, Ravens, or one of the AFC West teams? Any of them? <laughs> Ravens for sure. Yeah, fuck the Ravens. Chase? Yeah, I'm I'm also not really on the Ravens train right now. I, I'm not really liking what they're putting out. Yeah, they've had two easy weeks, I think. So yep. Ravens are definitely not making the uh, postseason. Neither are the Panthers because Cam Newton sucks. I'm kidding. He does suck. Uh, Number four, Aaron Judge has broken the Yankees record of most strikeouts in the season, 198 so far, while also leading the AL East with 44 home runs. And he's chasing Mark McGuire's rookie home run record of 49 home runs. He also almost broke the MLB record for the longest streak of games with a strikeout, ending that at 37 games. Is he still the face of baseball even after, or the future face, I should say, of baseball even after a horrid August? No, and I feel like I'm going to have the exact same answer as Cole. The current face of baseball is Giancarlo Stanton, who just actually tied uh, for the most home runs in over, I think, 10 or 11 years. Yeah, but is he the future face? He is the future face. He was uh, he was the face this year, and he's going to be the future face as well. Right. I, I actually disagree with Chase. I think that right, right now... Maybe Giancarlo Stanton is obviously he's the best hitter in the league. He's, I mean, the best player right now. What did he hit? 54? Whatever. He's killing it right now. But Aaron Judge is the future uh, face of baseball for two reasons. One, look at that monster of a man. He is like, he's going to be the best power hitter to hit the league in recent, in recent years. Uh, two, his name is so marketable. The judge has spoken. Whatever you want to say, dude, judge works. He's going to be the perfect face for the MLB. I think he'll be the future uh, like face of the league. Dex? I like Yasiel Puig. That's it. God damn it. Okay, that wasn't even close <laughs> at answering the question that I was asking. But I think he will be also the future face of baseball. I'm talking about Aaron Judge. 
because he's on the Yankees. That's the only answer. True. We didn't that say that either. Yeah. Um, please decipher this Kyrie Irving quote from his appearance on First Take for Monday. Here it is. If you're very much woke, there is no such thing as distractions. Dexter, go. Yeah, I I think that means that if you are if you know what really matters in life, what you're going for, then nothing's going to stop you from getting what you want. Listen, Kyrie is a wonderful basketball player. Uh, I respect the hell out of his game. That entire interview that you're, I think you're uh, quoting, that entire thing, makes him look like a selfish prick, but a selfish prick who knows what he wants, and you can't fault him for that. Chase? I didn't even know first take was still in the air. <laughs> all right, <laughs> go ahead, Zach. Here's the next one. Uh, all right. Uh, touching on what Cole just said, still same with Kyrie. He also told Stephen A that he didn't tell LeBron he was leaving and said, why should he have to? He went on to basically say in the interview he did it for himself and he made the decision for the betterment of his life. How do you guys feel about that? Does he actually hate LeBron? Dexter, hot take. I don't think he hates LeBron. I think as a player, you do have the right to not tell anyone where you're going. LeBron didn't tell anyone when he was leaving Cleveland. He didn't tell anyone when he was leaving Miami. If I were Kyrie, I would have definitely let him know. But Kyrie, I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, it's selfish. He wanted what he wanted. He got it. Uh, like I said, if it was me, I would have told my teammates what I was feeling. They would have understood. If I said, hey, guys, like I'm feeling this way and I want to be this, they would understand he's being a bitch. Chase. The NBA is the worst soap opera in sports, Zach. <laughs> Those are all great answers. I love them, and I'm just going to echo what you guys said. All right, final one. We got a lot of time, Ooh, so take like it easy. This. All right. <clears throat> Atlanta United held its first game in the brand-new Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and they broke the MLS attendance record with 70,000-plus fans cheering their team onto a 7-0 win over New England Revolution. It seems soccer has grown so much in the past few years here in North America. So how long will it take for the MLS to break in the top four of professional sports? In North America, I'm saying. How, what what are world. you judging it on? Because based off revenue, it won't take very long at the way they're going. I'm saying in popularity. In popularity. I mean, soccer is the most popular sport in the world, and it is that way for a reason. I think that, and this pains me to say this, but I think that they will probably be in the top four within the next five years, especially if the NHL goes on the same path that's going on right now, and I'll talk about that later. Chase. Uh, I actually predicted that by 2020, they're going to be uh, filling up or getting close to selling out NFL stadiums. They're not quite there yet. This the whole Atlanta thing, the way they sold out Atlanta. It, it, it just it, there's lots of there's lots of fan, soccer fans in that region of the U.S. So don't overlook that. I told you guys two years ago, in ten years, the MLS would be the biggest league in the world, and that just means eight more years. Well, eight more years. What is eight more years? Eight more years until MLS is the biggest soccer league in the world. No, no. What, what year hell? would that be? Twenty twenty four. MLS will never be the biggest soccer league. 20, ever. Twenty three. Ever. Is that twenty twenty three, Dexter? Twenty five. Twenty five. Uh, okay. Uh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um. I. Yeah. Actually, that was bad math. Um. I was gonna say twenty twenty nine, because twenty twenty nine is when they expanded to Seattle. And I think that was the start of the MLS really taking off. <laughs> and I think by 20 years from 2009, the kids that were born in that that year, in 2009, will be 20 years old. And they'll all be playing soccer 
on most professional teams and the United States will have a good soccer team and the league will be way better than it is now. And I think that's when it breaks into the top four. Yeah, it'll, it'll happen for sure. Yeah. All right. There we go. That was seven and seven. Just a quick fact check. Um, Atlanta actually broke the record against Orlando uh, on Saturday in a 3-3 draw. Not against New England. Okay, there we go. There. That would make sense. Okay. Cole's closer. Cole's closer. Is Dex Cole's still- closer. <laughs> Cole's Woo! closer. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. Look at me. I'm Cole's closer. Okay. This week, my closer's a little heated. Bear with me. A little long-winded as well. It's so long-winded. In fact, I wrote it out. I was so prepared I scripted this one. This week, the NHL is trying something brand new. You see, every year they have their global series where a few teams start their season in Europe. This year, they're doing that, except they're not starting it there. They're doing it in November. The Avs and the Senators are taking off uh, two games in Stockholm because two Swedish captains are playing against each other, except Carlson may not play because he will probably still be injured. Regardless, we're not talking about that. Those games make sense. Sweden is a hockey market. This year, the NHL is playing two games in China. One in Shanghai, actually, like really late tonight slash early tomorrow morning, and one Saturday in Beijing. This is a great idea. You want to grow the game in the biggest market in the world, China and Asia in general. But here's how the NHL fucked it up once again. So, growing the game in China and Asia, great idea, but it's going to be hard. Something that would help that out, maybe you know, a massive international tournament or two happening there where all the best players in the world face off for international hockey supremacy. Some sort of winter Olympiad. Oh, right. The NHL said, fuck you to Korea. And then the IOC said, fuck you to the NHL going to Beijing. So there's strike one. Strike two. These are preseason games. Games that have no meaning. Now, I'm not saying that it won't be exciting, but the players over there, for the most part, they've already got a spot on the team. So you can bet they're not going to be going 100% because they don't want to injure themselves before the season. And the third strike, this one may be the most blatant when you're trying to grow a game like they are, the Canucks and Kings. Two super underachieving teams with no real star power except for maybe Drew Doughty, but that's only really in Canada. And the Canucks, a team who literally this morning changed their motto to quote-unquote, compete is in our nature, which is a poorly worded way of saying, well, I guess we'll try not to come last. In closing, the NHL had a great blueprint on the table. Gary Bettman, he did what he always does. He got on that table, squatted over the blueprint, and took a big shit on it. And this is another reason why, although I think hockey is the best sport in the world, the NHL may be the worst league. How about that for a rant, boys? Uh, yeah, I, oh my god, that was, that was my favorite one. Dude, that, that was, might have that been was my favorite. <laughs> And wh- I hate the NHL. We should start our own league, a league of our own. Yeah, the NHL. <laughs> uh, the double NHL, not NHL. Nice. I like that. That's called the AHL. Wait, well, fuck, that's already a thing. <laughs> yes. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> I legit oh, forgot. That wasn't a joke. With that, who wants to close it off? All right, that does it. Uh... I'll close it off for us here. The episode 10 of the Nexus of the Universe podcast. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at not you as in the letter U podcast. Uh, stay tuned for us next week. We'll be going into episode 11. Uh, oh, for... This is episode 10. We didn't. I we know. This is a celebration. 10. I was trying to get us you to wanna... celebrate. Oh, oh, why did we do that? I'll signing off in my grandmother's house, signing off in Prince Rupert, signing off in Point Roberts, and signing off. 
from the 90s in a time machine. Uh, we are the Nexus of the Universe. Have yourself a fantastic day or evening, or you're just listening to us on your way to work. Have a great start to your day.